Hey there, everyone. My name is Grady Milligan, and I want to welcome you to the Vineyard Church Conversations, a space for healthy dialogue about the serious and the silly, a place to explore the sacred and beautiful things that make up our journey together. So this week on the podcast, we have the first of a two-part conversation that I got to have with Becky Carlisle. Becky Carlisle is awesome. She is a longtime member of the Vineyard, not just this Vineyard Church, but the Vineyard at large. Uh, She's an instructor at Johnson University with a background in marriage and family therapy. Becky is awesome. The Carlisles are just awesome people as a whole, and you're going to really enjoy these conversations this week and part two next week. So let's jump jump right into it. The risk I took was calculated, but man, am I bad at math. <laughs> okay, no, this isn't a dad joke, but this is something that I tell my uh, students at the beginning of the semester when I'm trying to encourage them to engage in conversation in the classroom. Just remember, next time you're afraid to share ideas, remember that someone once said in a meeting, let's make a film with tornadoes full of sharks. <laughs> and it worked. Oh, dude. That's oddly the most motivating thing I'll it probably hear so all day. It is so motivating. <laughs> there was a dude that was brave and be like, you know what, let's make a movie about tornadoes <laughs> and sharks. And people are like, yes. And now they have like, what, six of them? Right. It was like the only more amazing thing is like, and we could do it. Five more times. We could do it five more times and still make mad money. (laughs) Do you know how many DVD sales they have of that? It's unreal. (laughs) What's crazy is that it only like exists like within DVDs and Netflix Mm -hmm. and stuff. But oh my gosh. Do you want a good space joke? Please. I do want a good space joke. (laughs) (laughs) The rotation of the earth really makes my day. It's amazing. That one makes me mad, but that one's so the smarter ones, I have a hard time being madder about because, because someone worked clever. at it. Yeah, somebody actually they are worked clever. at it. Clever. Uh, okay, how about one more? Do you have one more? Um, and then we, we can tell people who you are. Okay, more good dad jokes. I just like that my favorite thing is dad jokes, and I'm not a dad, oh, but man. they're my favorite. Like, I just. I tell them all the time. You're going to make Sam McGee's, like, month by starting a conversation with these dad jokes. Uh. Um, okay. (laughs) Okay, how does a penguin build a house? I don't know. It glues them together. Get it? Igloo. (laughs) It's so bad. Oh, wait, I I have one that you probably already heard. Okay. My one contribution will be... um, (laughs) How do you think the unthinkable? I don't know how. With an iceberg. <laughs> okay, I've got one more. Why okay, couldn't the bicycle stand up? Why? It was too tired. Oh, gosh, this is... Oh, okay. I, oh, man, it's so bad. It's so bad, but that's what makes I it amazing. I feel like the problem is you're too comfortable. See, that's the thing. We need people to be slightly more nervous when we record this now, so we don't start with dad you, jokes. You forget... <laughs> You forget that I stand in front of college students all day, and so I just, I have to go. You're not you afraid gotta, of anybody. I'm not afraid of anybody, and I have to lead with the funny. Oh, gosh. I uh, have to. Well, you did. Okay, and, good. Uh, so, so uh, Becky. Yes. I know you're Becky, uh, but <laughs> if people don't know who Becky Carlisle is, like, what is the, like, what is the, like, short bio of all of the Becky life? Oh, okay. So, um... Yes, so I'm Becky Carlisle. 
I know. Um, <laughs> I uh, grew. I am a born and raised Midwestern girl that transplanted to Tennessee a little over eight years ago. It was actually eight years in January. Oh, that's red. Which is crazy to think about because that was a fast eight years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up in Ohio, which actually might be obvious from an accent that people tell me that I have. When they listen See, to I don't know podcast. enough Ohio people, so you just sound like Becky. Maybe all Ohio people sound like I've Becky. I've heard it's my O's and my A's and the way that I say hot. Evidently, <laughs> I don't say hot the same way. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, grew up in Ohio. Um, I So some interesting things that I think really shaped my life was that I was raised with my grandparents. Okay. Um, and so that had an impact on me. I have a younger brother. He and I are like 15 months apart. My brother and I were raised by our maternal grandparents. And that had a, a big impact on our life. Hmm, okay. um, and our parents were like in the picture and things, but... That's an unusual family circumstance to grow up in. So that had an impact on me. And then, um, you know, I, like, I think I'm just kind of jumped to like high school because high school is another formative period where I, I was raised in a Catholic home that I loved and I really was thankful for that background and things like that. My whole family is still Catholic. But when I was in high school, I started dating this guy named Adam. Oh man. I know. I know. And little did I know that when I started dating Adam, that one, I would end up marrying him and that, uh, two, that we would start going to church together and that we would both have this kind of big shift in our faith life. And so it was in high school that, um, you know, Adam and I started dating and we together made the decision that we were going to start going to the vineyard in Columbus, Ohio, which kind of completely changed the course of our, um, especially our spiritual lives and what faith looked like for us in our lives. Yeah, I always forget you're more like you're much more like Vineyard OG than I am. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's we. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, but we were really thankful, that, and that was a really like formative time for us. We were yeah. like juniors in high school and things. So, um, Adam and I went to college. We both went to University of Cincinnati. We got engaged when we were in college. Graduated, got married. Uh, we moved to Illinois, and um, I went to graduate school. Adam went to graduate school for engineering, but I went to seminary actually, and I got my master's in marriage and family therapy. Mm. Uh, and I have always, you know, loved working with people and working in mental health and um, you know working in counseling, and uh, and that has translated really well to work in the church, which has been awesome. Mm. So I went to seminary. That was an interesting experience, one that I was really thankful for. Yeah. After that, Adam and I went on a church plant, which yeah. is a whole nother topic at some point to talk okay, about. Yeah, we yeah. planted a vineyard church with like 12 of our closest friends at the time in Lafayette, Indiana, and we were there for five years. Man, I keep forgetting about all the adventures that the Carlisle. There's have been had. a lot of adventures, yeah. and Indiana was a really interesting time because it was kind of the highest of the highs and the lowest of lows. Um, some of the high points in that was that Adam and I started having our kids, so our yeah. son, Cade, our oldest one, who's getting ready to turn 12, which that's <laughs> I don't even really know how to process that right now. Um, on Instagram, on, that's how you process. I it. process on Instagram, and I will process it. They always by make myself. Me cry. Yeah, I will. You know, process I'm not a kids it. person, and they still I make know. me feel my feelings. I no. Yeah. So, yeah, so we had Cade and we had Liam, and then we ended up um, moving from Indiana here to Tennessee uh, when uh, Adam got a 
was offered a job down here and we just felt like it was time to head out from Indiana. So we moved here and then after shortly after we moved here, Emerson was born. So now it's me and Adam and Cade and Liam and Emerson. We also adopted a dog, Clementine. Yeah, Clementine's awesome. She's ridiculous. And that's kind of our family now. And it's really fun. And so all of my time is spent trying to, um, like, you know, do a good job of taking care of my family and all that. And then the other thing that I get to do that I love is that I teach, Mm -hmm. um, and I teach human services and psychology and I've been teaching for a long time and Mm -hmm. I teach out at Johnson university and I love it. I love so many of my students and it's, never boring yeah. ever. So that's what I do. I yeah. hang out with people and I take care of my family and I teach. Yeah. Yeah. Very important question. Yes. Why is Adam's pizza the best? Because Adam Carlisle <laughs> does not quit. <laughs> he doesn't settle for anything. So when the, the pizza <laughs> is the stuff of legends and for good reason. Yeah. So Adam, I do most of the cooking in our family and I love cooking and it's truly like one of my hobbies. I love yeah. it. Actually last night I perfected my blue cheese souffle. We'll have a conversation about oh, that later. Okay. But, um, Adam has a couple of things that he makes yes. that he can make and it doesn't matter how hard I try. I cannot <laughs> make them. Yeah. The chicken wings. Yes, I had them. They're amazing. Amazing. Uh, Etouffee. Yes. Amazing. Mm. But the pinnacle, as you've tasted. I have. (laughs) The pizza. Yes. So a couple years ago, Adam was just tired of the fact that we couldn't find a really good New York style pizza in Knoxville. And he was just kind of like, forget this. I will master it on my own. (laughs) And so he set out on basically what ended up being a two month (laughs) experiment slash adventure in making the perfect New York style pizza. He stayed up past midnight one night. I remember distinctly it's past midnight <laughs> of him printing out all types of different recipes and reading a, a, a very long article, <laughs> extremely long, just on how the gluten process works yeah. and the importance of it to the dough making process. I hope it's like printed and framed somewhere in your house. Or it something. is. It, it is Definitely put in a plastic cover, like one of those little like plastic sheet yeah. things that you put in a three-ring binder. It's <laughs> safe. So for two months, he worked on the dough, and then he was not happy with the sauce, so then he started going to homemade sauce recipes, and then he started experimenting with different cheeses because you can't just buy like the cheapy old block of mozzarella. Sure, And of, of course. course, you never use the shredded cheese because... You know that has wood pulp in it, right? And then the wood pulp. That's terrifying. I know, it is. The wood pulp, and that's how it keeps it from sticking, but the wood pulp, obviously, it affects the way that the cheese melts. Pay attention, people. Yeah. You can't have (laughs) the cheese melting unevenly on top of your perfected New York style pizza. (laughs) Right. So we go with like these whole milk cheeses and homemade sauce and like homemade dough, and it is a long process, and it doesn't matter because that pizza is so good. And I have people over to our house all of the time because one, I really do love having people over to our house mm-hmm. all the time, but it is also a guaranteed excuse for Adam to make the pizza. Right. You got to impress. Yeah. yeah it's so it's good. just really, really important. It's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many varieties you actually have, but it's the, it's the best Buffalo chicken pizza I've ever had in my whole life. Yeah. Well, ever, the, there's period. the Buffalo chicken mm-hmm. and you put the blue cheese crumbles on it and celery. It's so good. It's so good. And then there's the cheese pizza, which has two different kinds of cheese on it, which is also very good. Mm. 
-hmm. And then you got your basic pepperoni. And then there's the one that he makes for me, which is my spinach, tomato, and feta pizza. Fancy. And then there's the house pizza, which is his favorite, What's which is pepperoni, mushrooms, banana peppers, and onions. Oh, fancy. It's awesome. I hope there's a like straight-to-DVD documentary film about it one day. I I mean, <laughs> some days Adam and I talked about just quitting our lives and maybe we'll just open a pizza shop. Uh, oh, my gosh. Be... <laughs> I know, but... We're risk-taking people, but I don't know if we're that risk-taking people yet. (laughs) Yet. I would go. You would have my business. It's not a lot of money, but it would be my business. Keyword is yet. We'll see. (laughs) We'll just see. Oh, gosh. That's awesome. But it really is important. So we've asked this uh, a couple times on the podcast so far, uh, but what, and it can be anything, but what are the things you're excited about these days? Like what gets Becky pumped up? Yes. Okay. Um, all right. I'm just going to like, you know, shoot them out there and they're going to be all over the place. A couple things I'm excited about. One, uh, our family just planned our summer trip to Canada. Oh, sweet. Where we go to this cabin almost every summer we go up to this cabin that my husband's family has up in Quebec and it is way out there in the middle of nowhere, right on this like pristine lake and there's no cell service and there's no, like it's, it's just rustic enough that you feel completely removed from everything, but it's a really nice cabin. So you don't feel like you're completely roughing it. Yeah. And it's the most calming, relaxing time. And I just like crave it because it's so off the grid. Mm. Um, and so we just booked that. And so right now I'm really looking forward to having a super long road trip with yeah. my family and my like crazy dog. And like, oh, yeah. we're going to drive all the way up to Canada and we're going to be off the grid for over a week. And I'm super looking forward to that. I feel like the words, uh, cabin, and off the grid are yeah. very Adam words. Yeah. <laughs> he, it's amazing as, as connected as he is, even for like at a necessity for his job. Yeah. When we go to Canada, he, he shuts it all off and just <laughs> embraces it. And we all just like nap, like out in the yard. Like it's amazing. Oh, sweet. So we're really looking forward to that. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm super excited for April because April is kind of our party month Mm. where it's Cade's birthday and Emerson's birthday and it's our wedding anniversary. And so it's like, we've got all these things to celebrate. And so I'm kind of in this party Mm. planning mode and I love people's birthdays and I love celebrating. And so I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited because I've had some really cool interactions with a lot of my students lately Okay, sweet. and some really cool discussions and nothing gets me more excited than when mm. after class, one of my students comes up to me and is like, Hey, can we get coffee and talk a little bit more about this? Mm. And my answer is always yes. Like yeah. absolutely. Um, and so I've had a couple of new students that I've really connected with and, it just is so exciting mm. to sit and talk with them and even just try to help them process some of the questions that they're having to face as they're entering into this new phase of their lives of yeah. being in college and really being pressed friendship wise and family wise oh, yeah. and theologically. And yeah. I'm there for it. So mm. that gets me excited. That is awesome. Um, and then uh, I think that there, it's kind of strange, but there's a lot of um, like, 
things that might be changing for me job wise. Okay. And so like I was really strange. Adam and I at the beginning of the year were trying to think about what 2019 was going to look like. Yeah. And we both just had this sense that in 2019, a lot of the work that we were going to be doing um, was kind of figuring out what our jobs and our careers look like and yeah. and pressing a little bit more into those and seeing how we can be even more impactful. Like we had this, like, how can we really make the most of uh, like the biggest impact with what we're, how we're spending so much of our time when it comes to mm-hmm. our jobs and stuff. And so we're kind of looking at that. And so that's a little bit exciting. Yeah. A little scary too, <laughs> but that's but really exciting. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, those are just a few of the things I think about. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I like, not having ever been one of your students, I feel like uh-huh. they don't really understand how like good they have it and how <laughs> much of a blessing that probably is. Cause like, I feel like you would be the raddest teacher ever. Um, and also you just care about people. Like it's, it's evident, you know, like even in the, I mean, it feels, it feels like a while, but really relatively short time you've mm-hmm. been in like Brandy and I's life. Like, mm-hmm. like, you just care super deeply. That's why like people want to come to y'all's house and hang out because you act like you very actively love and take care of people. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that in a teacher, especially in like the weird and cool, but horribly hard time at the same time that is yeah. figuring out life and college mm-hmm. and Oh crap. I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm I glad teach they have weird you. stuff. I teach <laughs> weird, challenging stuff, which brings a lot of that to the surface. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, it kind of plays back to the thing that, like, I think in my life gets me the most excited okay. always. Yeah. And that is hospitality. Mm. Um, I have said this for a long time, but in, and this goes back to when I was in graduate school. I remember actually being up in Chicago at yeah. a church planters conference. Okay. And during that conference, it was really me trying to figure out what it was going to look like for me to kind of, um, you know, like I was getting ready to graduate from seminary and it was like, all right, well, I'm going to be done with school. So what am I going to do with yeah. this? And I was at this conference and it was actually, actually, um, Brenda Gatlin Oh, sweet. called okay. me out and she was like, you know, and she just kind of had some words for people and she pulled me up and she was like, you, you're just all about the hospitality. Like, that's it. That's you. And I just stood there and very awkwardly in front of everyone broke down crying, right. you know, just cause it just was like, it was a true Holy spirit moment. And she just said things that were like reading my mail about hospitality. And so my whole life, the thing that gives me energy and gets me excited is hospitality, whether it's in my home or in my classroom or just hanging out with people. Um, and it even ties into like my Enneagram two-ness of being a helper, you know, it's like, I can, I am a person that does actually, unfortunately do a lot of self doubt a lot of the time. Mm. But hospitality and, like, loving on people is, like, the thing I never doubt in mm. my life. Like, I it boil everything else away, and it's, like, I feel like that thing of yeah. hospitality is always there. So, you know, when you ask me, like, what am I really excited about lately? Like, I'm excited because I know, like, on the 30th, I've got people coming to my house, and I'm making yeah. a huge pot of shrimp and grits. And, oh, you know, and, like, the idea of um, getting so together. I know. <laughs> <laughs> One more food thing. Um But, like, overall, like, in my life, what always gets me the most excited is that, like, loving on people and hospitality. Mm. Not that I do it perfectly, but, man, Mm. it does give me life. But I feel like the fact that you love it so much is why you're going to always be doing it well. And and I hope so. I hadn't planned on asking that, but uh, it just kind of popped in my head. 
Um, because I, I've experienced at least part of this, but would just assume, assume this. Um, I, I feel like you would bring that love of hospitality into all your different spaces, but uh-huh. how, how does that look different? Like in case people, in case, you know, there will be people mm-hmm. listening, um, in our church and anywhere else that like, they also yeah. resonate with that. That's a mm-hmm. thing they love doing or a thing they used to love and would like to see again, or maybe like they are, they, that gives them life and they mm-hmm. feel good about how they practice it at home, mm-hmm. but don't know what it looks like. Like what, what does it feel different in the workspace or things like, I don't know. How do you feel that comes out in different spots? Yeah. I'm just curious about that, actually. So it's been kind of funny. Like, I I think one of the reasons that um, hospitality has always been a big thing for me is because I, I do think there's kind of some kind of weird thing where I just naturally feel comfortable with that. Mm. But over the years, I've realized that hospitality actually is not something a lot of people feel comfortable with. Mm. Like people kind of view it as this thing that either you're really good at it or you're really not. And I don't think that's necessarily true. But I think what happens is um, like people feel like, oh, well, I I feel like I don't know how to be hospitable in these different types of environments. And so Mm. I just shy away from it. Um, Mm. So being hospitable in my home is really easy. Like I just invite people over a lot. Like I'm really intentional about being like, you should come over and hang out. Mm. Um, and I think there's something really sacred about inviting someone into your personal private space. Um, and then I make a lot of food and I'm like, let's eat a lot of food and hang out and bring, you know, like bring your crazy dog, bring all your kids or just (laughs) come over and hang out. And like, um, it's okay if it's loud and if it's messy and all that, like yeah. that, it, nothing has to be this big prim and proper thing. Mm. And so then what happens is because that's how I kind of function with hospitality in my house. That's how I end up functioning with hospitality in other situations too. Yeah. Okay. Where like in the classroom, um, one of the ways that I try to like make students feel more comfortable to talk and to engage mm-hmm. is that I am pretty casual in the classroom and I invite people to bring food yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I invite people to be a part of the conversation and, yeah. um, that theme is important too. Like food yeah. is like a, it's a spiritual thing. It's like, yeah. it is a connective force. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Yes. That was just small sidebar, but yeah. that's, that's probably two podcasts it worth really of just is. discussion anyways. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the reason before I give every midterm or final exam, I give out mint chocolates to my students. Oh. I walk away. Like <laughs> I, I, I literally tell, I talk to my, before every exam and things I talk to my students and I'm like, look, the Lord has blessed you with a brain. Don't doubt the Lord's provision in your life. Like you can completely make it through this. And mm. also here are some chocolate mints because <laughs> yes. chocolate has a calming effect effect and mint has a stimulating effect. And if you eat both of them before an exam, it might give you a little boost on your exam. Boom. And so there's science behind it. Yay. Yeah. But there's also love behind it. Yeah. When you have the person that is giving you this exam also saying, I want good things for you. I want you to kill it on this. Yeah. And I'm even going to give you a little chocolate to help. Like, yes, that's what hospitality looks like mm. for me and, and in my classroom too. And it's the conversation of um, join me or join us is something that I try to keep in my head. Mm. And then the idea of like, you just make the table as big as you need it to be so mm. that everyone feels like they have a spot or they have a place. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, in some areas, hospitality lo- for me looks like making sure that I'm looking for the people that may be getting overlooked. Like mm, if it's yeah. in my classroom, people that aren't speaking up a whole lot, I try to find a way to give them opportunity to do that. 
or um, making sure that, you know, if they're not coming for that after class, having personal conversations with students and letting them know that I appreciate what they're doing in class or that I see these good things in them. Mm. I feel like um, hospitality just looks like um, acknowledgement of people. Mm. Like it's really easy for us to walk through our days and have blinders on where we're like, here's my to-do list. Here's all the stuff I have to get done. And I think I'm just enough of a, um, nosy person and I'm a people watcher (laughs) that it's been really helpful because then, you know, I, I'll notice people, I'll notice the person that maybe feels like they need a spot or someone to, you know, offer them something. And, and so that's what I try to be. I mean, not that I get this all the time. There are definitely times where I probably have messed up majorly, (laughs) not probably, but that's just being a person, but that's just being a person. Um, but yeah, it's just the like intention of like making sure that people feel as comfortable or as at home or like that they belong mm. as much as possible, which is hard. So, oh, but it's good though. It's it gives good. me like goosebumps because that's like the best stuff. Yeah, mm. it is. Yeah, I hope the, the table thing gets me. It's like it doesn't matter. Oh my gosh! If, if, we, if you if someone just says Build like we're just trying, yeah, we're just trying to make space at the table. I'm like, <laughs> I know <laughs> feelings. I know. Oh, I know so all the feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like and you can put this in there if it fits or just leave it out but like the thing that I try to convey to people about hospitality is that hospitality is not about um perfection like where you have to have like your house looks needs to look perfect or you need Mm. to have all the right things to say or you know what they've found over and over again is what makes people and and this is actual social science like I talk about this in my classes they have found that what makes people feel like they're a part of community and what makes them feel like they can share is when they see the mess of other people's lives Mm. so when someone walks into a space that looks perfect and pristine and really curated that makes them feel like I'm not like that so I can't engage that and then when you walk into someone's house and it's like real life someone lives there someone lives there real life then they feel like oh I can do this too Mm -hmm. you know um especially with like having people over because people are like okay well if my table doesn't look like a you know, Martha Stewart table or something like that, then I shouldn't have people over. And I'm like, um, have a seat at my table. My kids were painting on it 20 minutes ago. <laughs> right. Let's have some shrimp and grits. Mm, shrimp and yes. grits again. Um, I don't feel like you should say it again. Okay. It makes me sad. Shrimp and grits, shrimp and grits, shrimp and grits. <laughs> okay. Also, you're doing a really great job. Thanks. Like, well... Because you seem well, comfy. I am. Okay, well, I mean, I'm very comfortable talking with you. Like, you're okay. a good conversationalist. Oh, well, thanks. It's I easy. Feel awkward and weird most of the time. Um, <laughs> but did you ever think that your awkward and weird is actually really endearing and comforting to people? Oh, well, maybe. Probably not. Um, <laughs> you need to look at it as, I am awkward and weird, but it's endearing to people, and they love it. Well, thanks, Becky. You should think about it like that. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> uh, man gonna make me feel things so i'm oh. gonna oh my gosh it would be such a win if i made grady cry no quick deflect deflect no. deflect i deflect. refuse to allow you to deflect your emotions oh, we man. will go there you're sitting with a therapist what oh, do you think is gonna happen i, I didn't kidding. plan this well no you didn't um, uh, well and so so on that note and on just a, the, a lot of what you've given your life to and just something you care yeah. so much about and mm-hmm. One of the things I was pumped about just you having space to Mm -hmm. share with me and share with us about is like 
all things the relationship of uh-huh. mental health and faith, you know, yeah. mental health and the church or in our history and mm-hmm. any of it. Like, and we can take this any way you want to go with it, but like, I just want to hear anything you want to share about that strange relationship and yeah. the whole mess of it and everything. Yeah. Well, I think that I'm, I mean, I know that I'm a big advocate for, um, the church ever. And I, when I say the church, I mean like big C church, like right. global church kind of situation. Not this small Not just, church yet. Right, yeah. Right. Just like all the, yes. you know, all together. Um, I would, I should say, uh, the Christian community, like, together, yeah. you know, not just the church, but, um, so I, I, am a, such a huge, a huge advocate for the church in general, um, becoming more comfortable mm. talking about mental health, yeah. um, and, um, opening up like space for people to kind of have mental health issues, even while they're existing in their faith communities. Yeah. Um, because, I think that that's one of the populations of people that's kind of gotten marginalized. Oh yeah, of course. Um, and I think that that happens because the reality is, is that mental health, um, it can be a scary thing to talk oh, yeah. about, you know? And when we say mental health, like everyone has mental health, right? Right, right. Like everyone has different states of, of mental health. Like when we're talking about mental health, it's not any different than talking about our physical health. Right. So it's not like mental health is this, you know, um, negative term or something like no, that, no. but um, our our mental well being and our mental health is something that we don't always necessarily put a lot of priority into, and we don't know how to talk about it because, mm. admittedly, it's kind of strange or mysterious in a lot of ways. Right. If you don't exist in the world that treats studies or you know tries to help manage yeah. people with mental health symptoms that are negatively impacting their lives then it can kind of be a scary thing mm-hmm. um and particularly for some things historically like uh depression or yeah. anxiety um or just uh people having a lot of fear or panic and things like that mm. or in different situations and even things like grief like yeah. what we would call kind of situational depression or situational issues like you know, having periods of grief or something. Mm. A lot of times the reality is, is that most people don't feel like they know what to say and they don't feel like they know what to do. Yeah. And hmm. the church is the place that is always striving to um, have something to say or have something to do, even if it's just, I don't know what to say, but we're here. Right. You yeah. know? Um, the hospitality the being hospitality so important thing. again. Yeah. Look at you tying it yeah. in. I know. Hmm. Um, so hmm. the thing that I feel like I want to advocate for is, like, one, kind of everyone admitting, look, depression, anxiety, you know, ha- you know having issues with, you know, panic or fear like these are all normal human Mm -hmm. conditions um it's really normal for people at some different at different periods of their lives to experience anxiety or depression and for some people these are things that are chronic issues for them throughout their life and for some people they're situational Mm. but the reality is everyone faces these things at some point and we just don't always have great language for how to to you know manage that or deal with that and And people have been dealing with it since people have been people yeah yeah and here is the thing that i love about jesus and all of this is that if jesus is about anything when it comes to caring for people jesus is about um never being afraid 
Mm. to go out and be with people, touch people, and minister to people, even when they look or are acting scary. Yeah. You know? Um, Mm. We don't have leprosy in kind of modern America most days. You know, like it's not this thing that it was back then. But so leprosy was something you see Jesus, you know, confronting and talking to and ministering to a leper. And, you know, you could take that and be like, okay, so... How would Jesus respond to the person that walks into the church that is manic or that is having, you know, thoughts about like potentially hurting themselves or hurting Mm, someone else or, and it's because of situations and these other things that are legitimately scary. And I'm like, okay, Jesus doesn't hesitate to, to go into that. And so how do we do that well Mm. and wisely? And it's not that. I think that the church needs to be the place where we become uh, practitioners of mental health treatments necessarily. Okay. Yeah. But I just, I love the idea of seeing the church partner more. Um, mm. And again, it's kind of like the global church kind of partnering more with um, like practitioners of mental health treatments to yeah. partner in that in the same way that we do that for physical health, Yeah. you know? Right. Um, and so... Mm. I, I just am a huge advocate for it. And I think I am because I have enough people in my life that when they have run into periods of their, you know, their life, when they've really struggled yeah. with, you know, say, depression or anxiety, I have a family member that was um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder when they were in their early 20s and mm. things. And soon after their diagnosis, they felt like they didn't fit in in their churches anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was really a struggle for them and it was heartbreaking because it's like, no, that's the one place you should be, you know, like you can be there and it's okay to not be okay. Um, and I, and I think that it's still just one of those areas where we could just, we could, there's a lot of work that could be done. Um, and, and I think that I'm so passionate about too, is because this is what I teach too. Like the, the students that I'm teaching, they are primarily, uh, psychology majors or human services majors. And, and they are people that are planning on going into fields that will, um, some way be involved in treatment for mental health issues. Um, and so the students I'm talking about, I'm like, okay, how do we do this? Well, how do we, because of our faith and because we are followers of Jesus, how do we serve this population of people yeah. well that is, that is, um, you know, encouraging and welcoming and um, also like, like we talked about earlier, like full of hospitality, like there's mm-hmm. space for you here. Yeah. Um, but admittedly, it's hard because it's a big mystery. You know, there's a lot, even in mental health treatment. I mean, even from a, you know, scientific standpoint, it's not perfected. Like there's still a lot of work to be done on all areas for Mm. mental health treatment for people. So Mm. there's just a lot of work to be done. Yeah. But letting, I don't know. Yeah. Letting that compassion for Mm -hmm. people outweigh our fear of our own lack of knowledge and yeah. yeah, Well, and, and the thing that kept popping up in my head is you're describing this too, is like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many degrees of fear or anxiety mm-hmm. we experience ourselves when uh, someone is hurting and st- like suffering from like different things in mm-hmm. mental health that are not going well or, mm-hmm. or have become problematic. Um, but man, like the thing I kept thinking about as you were saying that was like, what about the level of fear they're living with all the mm-hmm. time? Like, like I, I hope that more and more so mm-hmm. the people who follow Jesus mm-hmm. uh, would let compassion win out 
against the fear yeah. when you know how much someone mm-hmm. who's suffering is not only suffering the thing they're suffering, but mm-hmm. suffering from the fear that it brings on even outside of itself, you know? Yeah. Or the fear of, the, man, it's like, I mean, you know, it's the real world. Sometimes people have collected fear of of the church mm-hmm. in addition to everything else. So, like, man, how important is it to to desire and then to act and be people within the church longing to help dispel that fear with love and dispel yeah. that fear with hospitality and, 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 you know, and also saying, I don't know, but like, like you, I love when you said like, I don't have a clue, but you're safe here. Uh-huh. You know that, I mean, that's as good as anything most of the time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's so often. And, and we, and this is something that we, no, I think, I think a lot of people know that this is true, but in the moment, I think that they feel like it's not enough, but it so is of that sitting with someone and saying, I have no idea what to say, but like, I will, I will be here. Hmm. Like, and I'll just do stuff if you need me to do stuff. Like, mm-hmm. do you just need me to like do your dishes and empty your trash cans in your house and you can just be and sit and not have to worry about that stuff, then I'll just do that. Mm. Um, there's an amazing sense of relief when someone will stay next to you and just say, I have no idea what to do, but I'll just stay here. Mm. Like, like it breaks so much tension yeah. in what is oftentimes really tense situations. Cause a lot of times what we forget is that, you know, there's the, the, the side that says, okay, I want to be able to respond appropriately to grief or to someone that is in a, a place of struggling, you know, that, you know, something is going on and they're really struggling with something. Um, so I want to be the person to kind of help in any way I can, but then there's also this weird societal pressure, um, for a person that is say grieving or struggling or in pain in some way that they feel like they need to get themselves together because they're like, Oh, I'm probably making all these people uncomfortable. Like there's this weird thing where we, we have this societal pressure of like, Oh, I should act like everything's okay. Cause I just don't want to make people feel awkward. And you can mm. see it where people are like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like I'm crying or, Oh, I'm so sorry that I, oh, yeah. like, people will apologize just nonstop for having what are, normal human emotions yeah. and I'm just like no you can feel your feelings yeah, yeah um well we're becoming more human yeah you know like I mean like yeah like Jesus is like you know I think the the trinity is helping us mm-hmm. work through the broken stuff and mm-hmm. the shadow side and the, the the consequences of a lot of things that make up a, a kind of hard world to navigate yeah. but he's not making us less human he's no. making us the fullest most beautiful picture of humanity there is. And so that means like when stuff is the worst, probably at least crying about it. I know. know. Yeah. Uh, And it doesn't even have to be crying. uh, It's like some people just get really, really mad Yeah, and they're just frustrated. And like, that's a real thing too. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to sit next to someone and just say, I know that you're really mad, but I'm just going to stay here. Mm. Cause like, I understand why you're mad and it. it, Like, I'm just going to stay here. Like that. I, it's so powerful for some people. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Like, it's very hard for me because I am, a, I'm very much like a, an eternal optimist person. Yeah. Like, I really do lean towards optimism in almost every area of my life. Um, and so, what happens if you're kind of an optimist or an idealist is that you want to be like, oh, it's going to be okay. Or you want to, be like, okay, well, let's look at the bright side of the picture. Right. Or, And sometimes I have to remind myself 
to, especially in my own life, to not do that to myself Mm. where I'm like, okay, I'm really upset about something. And then I'll immediately go to like, oh, well, this is why it's not that bad. Mm. And I'm like, no, it's okay to sit with it. I mean, for goodness sakes, we're in Lent right now. Like what better season to be talking about this? Um, But that kind of acknowledgement that like, it's okay for things to not be okay for a while. Oh yeah. Um, And, you know, kind of like looping this back with, you know, the discussion around uh, mental health symptoms that are, you know, causing people distress and things like that. Um, I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about a lot, and and I feel like the bad guy talking about it, but is the fact that historically there's been, um, there's just been, I would say a little bit too much of an emphasis on like when it comes to mental health stuff right. that it's like, Oh, if you just think positively, it's going to go away, hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and it hasn't been recognized as something that are like actual medical issues for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and doing the things that we know to do, like, you know, um, getting more prayer and, and engaging our spiritual disciplines and things like that. Those things can be helpful, but those aren't going to necessarily cure medical issues. Right. They can't. Like, I actually know a couple people that have been, like, kind of radically delivered from depressive symptoms and things like that. But that's not the norm, honestly. Sure, sure. And so I think that another area that the church could do, um, like... I, and when I say church, it's like, I feel like I need to be also included in this conversation. Yeah. Like I and other people that the thing that we can be advocating for is like, look, we need to not downplay how impactful a lot of these issues can be. Oh, yeah. We need to not shame people mm-hmm. for seeing medical doctors and mm-hmm. seeing mental health professionals and even seeking out medication in some situations yeah, for sure. or seeking out other treatments and going to therapy and going to counseling. Like historically the church has not been super supportive in some arenas sure. of that. And I'm like, I, I feel like when it comes to a lot of different things, honesty is the, I mean, well, everything like honesty is the best policy in this. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest. When someone's really, really struggling, we should try to like help them in all areas, oh, right? Yeah. And and so that with all things available with to all us. things available to us, yeah. like thankfulness for medical technologies and yeah. medicinal advances right. that have helped people. Um, and so, it's not just about relationships and things. It's also about being a little bit more thoughtful about how we can um, acknowledge the intensity that sometimes. Yes. Uh, mental health symptoms and things will, you know, how they'll impact people. Right. And not, well, and also not like a, assuming someone's exaggerating or whatever, because you're yeah. only, you're only in that moment kind of unkindly remembering mm-hmm. your perception of uh-huh. their world and your perception of how you are affected by things. But it's like, like, dude, you're one brain and heart mm-hmm. and person experiencing the world one way. Yeah. Like I'd rather err on the side of mm-hmm. trusting what they're saying about their own experience is actually mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. than to, you know, say, ah, suck it up and, yeah. you know, have someone in utter pain and turmoil mm-hmm. and not be compassionate as yeah. a Christ follower would want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I know. It's really hard. I, I feel like I straddle this line a lot because sometimes I feel like, um, as someone that, um, you know, kind of has worked in the mental health field and, and, and I'm teaching students, um, about mental health and, and a lot of what I'm talking about are things like brain chemistry Mm -hmm. and neurobiology and, and how, 
Um, you know, we know that the, the brain functions and how important some of our, um, you know, chemo- like the chemicals and hormones in our bodies are and how they can impact us and, and how a lot of times the symptoms that people are experiencing, they don't have any control over because of biology, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, like this person isn't like praying bad. There's like a yeah. chemical thing doing something in a brain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's the side of me that I'm like, uh, okay, let's let's listen to like, m- you know, like the medical um, side of it. Like let's let let's uh, investigate like the medical reasons that this person may be. Um, like having these symptoms. And so, you know, I feel like I share this line where sometimes it's like, well, uh, you know, you like teach psychology and you're really interested in like the science and biology behind why some people have the symptoms that they do, like mental health symptoms and things like that. I'm like, like I want to know about the serotonin levels and how that impacts people's depression levels. Like I am interested in that. And so then I start talking about that and people are like, well, wait, where's your faith in that? Mm. And then if I'm talking about my faith, then all of my people, all of my coworkers that mm. are also with me kind of on, uh, you know, interested in, you know, like biochemically what's happening in people with depression symptoms and anxiety right. and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, you're a person of faith, so then you're not listening to science. So it's like, can we be both? Yes. <laughs> like, and can we live in the yes. tension of knowing that God is our rescuer and our redeemer and can come in and heal us at any time? And we should like definitely be mm-hmm. praying and asking for guidance and wisdom and all of this. And at the same time, can we talk about how sometimes Lexapro is one of the most helpful right. things for people? Like, because yeah. it changes their biochemistry and it will help them not have suicidal ideation. Yeah. I'm can like, we, can we do both? Yeah. Well, can, can we say like, like when, like you said, in a very real way that I know the two of us certainly believe and have experienced in all kinds of different ways. Like, like when the Lord does something miraculous, like, and Mm -hmm. we'll use the word like miraculous Mm -hmm. and mystical and like, whoa, what just happened? Mm -hmm. We say hallelujah. And when someone has a very good, loving, caring doctor who wants them to be well, Mm -hmm. and they have a new medicine that makes them whole and healthy Mm -hmm. and able to not be like oppressed by the Mm -hmm. thing, say hallelujah at the same time. Um, And and also I hope people hear our answer is yes, you can. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like, yes, you can. And honestly, like, for all the parts where we've dropped it in history, there's a lot of other parts of history where like we've answered yes to that before. Mm -hmm. And I think like there's, it's a, it's a thing I need to remember when I get really depressed and very like only, Mm -hmm. only ever sad about like life or history Mm -hmm. or the world. And it's like, Oh, but some of the things we actually have to help us with these medical things were because somebody loved God and loved people and found this weird thing in a, in a, like a yeah. test tube. And it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay. We have said yes and we should keep saying yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah. And here's the thing I will say about this. As much as I can kind of get on a rant about this and I can get really worked up and really fired up about it because I am a two with a really strong wing one idealist on the Enneagram. Like the idealist in me is actually like, uh, it's a bit of a problem in my life lately. (laughs) Um, but like the idealist Uh, in me, like I will rant and I will be like, this is exactly how it should be because I think I have really, really good ideas about how the world should work. Now the problem is, is that the world doesn't always listen to me. (laughs) I don't know why I can't imagine all the reasons why, because I think I have just brilliant ideas for how the world should work. And it's just not working out that way. Again, this wing one, man, it's just killing me. (laughs) 
Um, but so I am the idealist to no end. So when I look at any yeah. system, right, like when I look at any system, what I'm going to be looking for is how could it be functioning ideally, right? And so there's this area of like mental health and faith. And I'm like, I don't feel like that's functioning ideally. And at the same time, I have to acknowledge the fact that in general, I think that we've made so much progress. Right. Yeah. You know, like I really do think that the church, big church, like, you know, global scale is on the right track when it comes to this. Right. Um, and it's kind of catching up. And I feel like people's, uh, the gentleness in their language mm. around, um, you know, talking about uh, people that are struggling with mental health, um, like negative mental health symptoms at the time and, yeah. and giving more space for that. And even, uh, you know, like, uh, churches partnering with, you know, uh, different types of mental health treatment centers are advocating for that and, and, and saying, we are going to pray for you. And we are also going to help you find really good doctors or really good therapists as mm. resources. Like, I think that there has been so much progress in oh, the yeah. area. It's just the idealist in me is like, and we could still do so much more. Yeah. And so I'm going to keep advocating for the so much more part of that. Um, <laughs> because I, I like, I, I think, you know, personally, I've just seen a lot of people impacted for the good. And unfortunately, a few people that I've seen have been impacted in a negative way, um, for, you know, how, uh, they have tried to exist with their faith and with some pretty serious mental health issues at the yeah. same time. And, and that is a hard, hard thing to do. Um, but I do, I really do believe that there has been a lot of progress and that it's on the right track. And I am like super encouraged for the future. Again, see the optimist. Yeah. I always go back to the optimist. Yeah. It's well, there. and I think these things like show up and create because we're whole people. And I think one yeah. of the things we're trying to get rid of the myth of is these compartmentalized like chunks of ourselves mm -hmm. when you're just people like the church and the believing world, um, learning, you know, slowly, but like you said, but also mm -hmm. like hopefully surely too, mm -hmm. um, to be better, like healers, helpers, advocates, mm -hmm. and like kingdom people mm -hmm. for the, the world of mental health are yeah. also, uh, I think those same things are like why other things we've talked about on this podcast are happening mm -hmm. too. Like, I think those kind of ideas and being able to think healthily in those ways is mm -hmm. also what allows people to um, be able to bring in spiritual health stuff mm -hmm. in a more balanced way. Like people like, you know, are learning new spiritual mm -hmm. formation tools. People are yeah. um, like discovering new ways to like lean in and pray together and mm -hmm. do practices that are like, um, in a lot of cases really ancient, but in mm -hmm. like the place we're actually in or rediscovering things mm -hmm. that like, Oh, this isn't even that new. Like, mm -hmm. like some church folks in 300, <laughs> you know, AD were yeah. doing this thing that was forming them and their mm -hmm. town around them. And like people were, you know, there maybe a bunch of other things in 300 AD were going mm -hmm. really terribly, but mm -hmm. like there were glimpses of life. There are glimpses of the kingdom. And mm -hmm. I think in that same, it, I feel like it all comes together. Right. Yeah. And even that stuff being mixed with like, man, sometimes I pray and do this. Or sometimes like the Lord would say, just go do this. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I just like go get on an elliptical mm -hmm. because it forms me mm -hmm. and it helps my brain and my spirit yeah. be less insane for a moment. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I think all these things feed better health and better yeah. holistic personness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
all around, you know? Yes. And I mm. think, and it really is like, even as we're sitting here talking about this, it, it's kind of, you know, forming in my brain too about how like I'm, you know, like I'm this hospitality kind of driven person and I really advocate for, um, like, uh, just healthy relationships and advocating for like interpersonal health for people Mm and advocating for mental health stuff and, and all this. And, and I think part of the reason that I love all of those things and it kind of fits with me is because I, uh, like, especially, um, you just like the older that I get and the more life that I live with, you know, more people, I just feel like admitting to the mess and giving more room for lament and giving more room for like the high highs and the low lows and, and not feeling like we have to, um, basically like fake our way into some, you know, type of feeling or something. Mm, Um, like I, 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 I like advocating for that because I feel like that's where people have the space to get healed up, you know, Mm. um, when people feel that pressure of like, well, I need to have all my stuff together to be accepted. Um, that's where people will start to pull away from community Of course, yeah. because they're like, well, I don't have this, this and this in line. And so (laughs) you'll never get there because you'll never get there. (laughs) Um, and so I don't know. I, I think I just, Maybe it is completely selfishly motivated on my own part. It could be. Believe me, it could be. Um, But there's a part of me that I just, I want more communities to not feel curated. I want community to look like the mess where people can be like, I'm struggling with all of these things, Mm. or this is what my life really looks like today. And, Mm. um, or these are the things that I'm scared about, or this is, you know, Mm. the stuff that I am so happy about and this is the stuff that I feel like is answered prayer and this is the stuff that I feel like I'm praying and it's like it's just evaporating into the sky and and not being heard you know Mm. like all of that and especially for um like that area for lamenting of like of that prayer of like god I'm just so upset because there are some things that I thought were going to be like this in my life and they're just not yeah and I'm just upset you know Mm -hmm. um and sometimes it's really easy to kind of have like the trite religious answers to that. Of course. And I love the idea of people gathering around and we're like, yeah, we're going to join you in being sad that that's not hmm. how it is. And at the same time being like, Lord, we're upset about this and we know you're good, but we're still upset. Yeah. And holding both and yeah. the tension doesn't seem possible, but it is possible. And yeah. we're called to hold the tension. Yes. And, and man, I, the, 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 the picture, um, as you're describing that, just of, um, yeah, it made me think just the picture of our churches, whether mm-hmm. we mean like the Sunday morning expression somewhere mm-hmm. or um, the, you know, the smaller parts of the church mm-hmm. when it's like a small group at someone's home mm-hmm. or just going to have a good dinner somewhere. Yeah. The idea of the church, you know, taking the wisdom that shows up because if, if it's truth and it's mm-hmm. love and it's hope, then Jesus is probably in it. So taking mm-hmm. the wisdom that sometimes we do in our home better than a church maybe. Mm -hmm. And so like letting our churches also be a kind of messy, but very lived Mm -hmm. in place that someone walks into and it's like, Oh, like there's real people living Mm -hmm. in this thing. And they, you know, they seem a little tired and there's like, you know, like toys and clothes everywhere. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I think, you know, there's paint on that wall over there, but Mm -hmm. like, 
there's life here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So there was an article that I read, and I can't remember um, what it was linked off of. It might have been Missio Alliance. I can't remember. But um, it was an article talking about how, um, like, well, it, it was something about our, our curse words and addictions and something else welcome here. Um, and it, it really just told the story of this woman that was a recovering addict that, um, you know, single mom came to visit a church, um, had her kids in kids church, picked her kids up from kids church and the kids church worker. So was like, Hey, I just need to let you know that, um, your child, uh, like threw this toy or something and hit another kid and the toy broke. And, and the mom just kind of almost reflexively was like, Oh, bleep, <laughs> mm. you know, like right in the middle of church. And then the church, um, the childcare worker said that immediately she had like, quote unquote, like realized her mistake because mm. she had cursed in church mm. and that, you know, this mom, that is obviously like doing some really hard work in her life. She just went like flush red and grabbed her kid and like ran out of the church crying. Mm. And then, you know, there was kind of this question of like, well, do, you know, do we want people, you know, cursing in the middle of the kids area? Like, are we okay with that? And, and so what the church decided to do was they like emailed this parent and was like, you, you do realize that that's fine, right? Like it's, Mm. it's okay. And you're welcome back here. You're safe here. Yeah. And, you know, like no one, you didn't need to leave. And like, we want you to come back and just as you are and all this kind of stuff. And, and it was like, there was, uh, it was just this picture of like, are, is there room for those kind of big messy mistakes where Mm. in some ways, like we might get offended, you know, at people's messy mistakes. And, not that I do this perfectly or that I do this well all the time or anything like that. Sure, sure. But the reality is I want to be that person, you know? Yeah. Like I want to be the person that even if someone does something that is like inappropriate or rude or offensive to like in front of like one of my kids or something, that I still want to look at that person and be like, I still want to figure out how you have a place here, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's a hard that's a hard thing to, to do sometimes. Mm. Um, because we are just kind of like reflexively trained that like certain spaces are supposed to be like nice places. Hmm. And I'm like, Hmm, what if it wasn't nice and as comfortable? What I still want to be there. Hmm. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm the kind of person that still wants to be there. Yeah. But I mean, please hear me when I say I'm not getting this right very often. Sure, sure. This is my ideal is coming out again. Right. But the desire to be that safe person and to be the person that will, always continue the welcome mm-hmm. um that it, it sounds a lot like jesus you yeah know? i know and again it, it's all very idealistic but i'm like well i'm gonna keep shooting for it just in case just because All right, so that is it for this week's part one. Stick around next week for part two of this conversation. And we want to end this podcast the way we're ending all of these, by praying our prayer together. If this is not already a part of your weekly rhythm uh, through this podcast or here at church, we hope that the words of this prayer might become a blessing to you as they are to us. So let's pray this together wherever you are. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you alone are King. Give us wisdom, courage, and kindness that we might bear your image well. Unify us in heart, soul, and purpose that the world might know your love. Make us your hands, generous and compassionate. Make us your feet, valiant and steady. 
in service to you and all you've created, give us love greater than fear. Onward for your kingdom. We're declaring your worth, finding our worth in you, and joining you in the renewal of all things. Amen. We'll see you soon.